Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are in the studio. And when I tell you today that we have a treat, we have a a brilliant person here in the studio that came all the way from Washington, D.C. to be here with this Create Your Life series family. And so that being said, I want to introduce this brother, but also just want to say how happy I am. I met him probably about in last May. So that was months and months ago. And, you know, like I said, you know, we always are going and are working very hard to try to uh, track, you know, and, and get amazing people and amazing guests for you. So want to make sure, you know what I mean, that we hold true to our promise. And, you know, this brother came. Uh, he had to reschedule one time because he was coming back from China and there just happened to be, you know, a snowstorm. We had to reschedule, but he made it happen. So that's what was amazing. But I just want to start off and just tell you about this gentleman. Uh, he's a communicator social innovator and entrepreneur. Uh, he, is, he works with Values Partnerships to lead a nationwide casting tour focused on bringing more diverse ideas and voices to ABC's hit show Shark Tank. He's also leading an effort to support entrepreneurs uh, through developing a network of capital, skill building, and other resources. In 2015, he worked with A&E Networks, uh, iHeartMedia, and the United Way to develop the Shining a Light Concert for Progress on Race in America. Uh, with the Shining a Light Fund. Previously, he worked as a consultant assisting disruptive and social impact organizations with digital strategy, online advocacy, and navigating the federal system. He spent five years in the U.S. Senate where he handled technology, small business, and defense policy. He also assisted in planning the first My Brother's Keeper data jam, which laid the groundwork for evidence-based My Brother's Keeper work around the country. He is also a mentor for Quano Labs, my Brother's Keeper hackathons, engaging thousands of young men of color in computer science education nationwide. He was appointed to the D.C. Commission on National and Community Service and also provides commentary on policy, politics, and entrepreneurship for TV1, BBC, NPR, Fox News, and other outlets. And we're just happy to have him here on the Create Your Life series. So Create Your Life family, please welcome Mr. Brandon Andrews. Brandon, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. What's up, everybody? What's up, Kevin? I am Incredibly excited to be here, excited that we were able to make the schedule adjustment work. I was coming back from China, there was a snowstorm, but we're not going to let any of those things get in the way of us connecting and having a conversation today. And that's what I want to talk to everybody today about. It's really not about having an idea, not about having a really good idea. It's about what do you do in life when you have a snowstorm and you're coming back from China How do you pivot and how quickly can you pivot? Because that, for me, Uh has been a greater um, assistant to success than just about anything else. Man, I mean, with you saying that, I got to admit that, the you know, you walking into my first question, which was what 
you know, talking about pivoting and stuff like that, what was the process uh, to land a senior consulting position with Values Partnerships and go on to lead that nationwide casting tour? Like, what does that look like, the process behind the scene that people don't really talk about? Yeah. So as you mentioned, I spent about five years working in the U.S. Senate. While I was there, uh, I'll say this, and this will be a theme that will be throughout this conversation. Um, the best opportunities that I've had personally or professionally have really come from me raising my hand and just saying yes when someone needed help. Whether I was getting paid for it immediately or not, whether there was an immediate value add or not, but just raising my hand and saying, yes, this feels right. I have a skill set that can be helpful here. So I was in the United States Senate, came in as an intern, got hired as a staff assistant and kind of worked my way up from there. Mm -hmm. While I was there, as you know, the U.S. Senate, unfortunately, is one of the least diverse places to work in the United States. You talk about... Um, diversity and the lack of diversity in the tech world, in the venture capital space, which I know a little bit about. Uh, but if there's one space in the United States of America that is less diverse and that has a greater impact on people's day-to-day -day lives, it's the United States Congress. And it's not just about diversity in terms of uh, culture, although that's definitely needed. Um, it is diversity of thought that's needed, diversity of life mm. experience, because as, as congressional staffers, we bring our life experience to the legislative process, and the legislative process is better when more diverse life experience is uh, is imbued into uh, the legislative policy that's being discussed and eventually the policy that's made. So um, while I was there, mm -hmm. there's a small group uh, of black staffers that meet uh, in the Senate or that met in the Senate, and the person organizing it uh, was leaving. And so I raised my hand and said, hey, you know, you're leaving. I'm happy to take it over, take over the responsibility of sending a couple of emails every week, organizing it, getting it together. Um, that led me to meeting another brother, um, David Johns, who should have on the show at, at, at some point. Okay. He ended up leading uh, President Obama's um, educational effort for African-Americans um, uh, during uh, during President Obama's second term and, and now has gone on to lead the National Black Justice Coalition. And I think he's getting a Ph.D. as well. Um, incredible brother. So I met him. Um, he needed help with organizing a group called African-American Men on the Hill, which was a staff group mm. for brothers okay. working on cap working in the on Capitol Hill. Um, I started hosting those meetings with David and Another brother, Joshua Dubois, who at that time was working for then-Senator Obama, mm. came to the meeting. Joshua would go on to work on Senator Obama's presidential campaign and then go to the White House and run his Office of Faith and Community Partnerships wow. during the first term. A lot of backstory, but it's going to make sense in a second. Okay. Joshua left uh, the White House after... Uh, the first term, he got married, he wrote a book, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, I also left Capitol Hill. I transitioned off um, originally just to get some campaign experience, but then decided that I had some better opportunities off the Hill and on the Hill. Mm -hmm. We reconnected. Uh, and Joshua at that time had started a firm called Values Partnerships. Um, Joshua had established a relationship with Mark Burnett, who was the producer of Shark Tank, but also right. Survivor and The Apprentice and mm -hmm. uh, the King Choice Awards and all, all kinds of things on television. Mm -hmm. In addition to doing the reality show work, he, Mark Burnett also does a significant amount of faith-based work, which is how Joshua originally connected with him. Okay. So Joshua invited me to a premiere for the Bible series. If you remember, it was several years ago, it was on the History Channel. Uh, and I met Mark Burnett. 
uh, we started talking about business and Joshua said, yeah, he's a hill staffer. He, he did small business, business expert. And we pitched him. We said, hey, do you need help with Shark Tank? He said yes. And kind of the rest is history. So you talk about relationships. One, I volunteered, I raised my hand, built a relationship with the person that was senior to me that was leaving the hill, mm-hmm. organized this lunch group. Connected with my brother, uh, David Johns, uh, who was running African-American Men on the Hill, along with a small group of others at the time, facilitated those meetings in addition to doing my other you know, policy work on Capitol Hill, met Joshua, kept that relationship warm to the extent that you can, because people go in the White House, they're working all the time, so it's difficult to, right, right. To, to stay friends, but kept that relationship warm and then reconnected uh, when the opportunity presented itself and, you know, joined him in, in, in making this pitch and kind of the rest is history. So since that point, we have run a nationwide casting tour for ABC Shark Tank. We meet thousands of entrepreneurs every year, mm-hmm. usually do it in eight to 10 cities or so. And, you know, the reality is, and I, I could say this anecdotally before, but I, I certainly know it as a fact now, the spark of innovation and the grit that you need to grow a business over time. Those attributes exist in every community, every zip code, every area around the country and really around the world, which we'll talk about Mm -hmm. back to China. Uh, But the reality is the resources do not. And so our goal with this tour has always been, yes, we want to diversify and yes, we want to do some marketing for the show, but we want to take these casting calls to places that big brands may not normally go, places, you know, around here. So we, we, we did stuff in Harlem. We went out to Brownsville right. um, last year. We did mm-hmm. Southeast D.C., the Anacostia neighborhood. Um, we, we take these, these casting events to places um, that big brands don't normally go, that venture capital money right. maybe doesn't normally go, mm-hmm. and... That, you know, personally has been, you know, one of the most rewarding things career wise, mm-hmm. not just, you know, working in entertainment. I could take or leave that. Like that, right, that, right, that right. doesn't do anything mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, being able to meet thousands of entrepreneurs every year, understand why they're doing what they're doing and hopefully help bring more resources to them and to their communities, whether or not it's a, a Shark Tank resource. Hopefully, um, as we're doing these casting calls, more angel investors, more VCs. And now we have equity crowdfunding that, right. that, that we should talk about as well. So more opportunities to bring those resources to folks. Now, I'm happy. I mean, I feel like you just gave us a whole lot to work with in in that in your spiel, your opening spiel. Um, but one thing that you said that I liked that I thought was really important is, is that sometimes you have to do things for free mm-hmm. um, in order to get to where it is that you're trying to go. How does one differentiate between doing something for free, understanding the long, the long haul mm-hmm. and being taken advantage of? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as a go-getter, somebody that's uh, working to make some things happen, you get caught up in between, you know, that in that that I'll call it that gray area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the problem with volunteering is that you're a volunteer. You, you're, you're volunteering to do something and your heart might be right, your mind might be right, but that doesn't mean that your wallet is going to be right mm-hmm. uh, from, from volunteering to do work. Uh, just honestly, uh, philosophically speaking, uh, I support paying people for their work when possible. In fact, Right after I left Capitol Hill, so I was uh, the political action committee chair for the NAACP Mm -hmm. uh, in the D.C. area in in 2012, so did all the GOTV efforts, et cetera. And then I I had the opportunity to work on the inaugural committee for President Obama's second inauguration, so planned inaugural events along with a lot of other folks. And then immediately after that, I was the interim executive director of a nonprofit organization called Insight, and our primary focus at that point was 
advocating for paid internships on Capitol Hill. Mm. Two reasons. One, because, again, philosophically, you should be paying people for their work. But then, two, you're never going to fix a diversity issue on Capitol Hill or anywhere else unless you're able to compensate people uh, to come to come to places. Washington, D.C. is one of the most expensive places to live right. or work in, 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 in the world. And so if you are in a position of power and in a position to be able to compensate people, do that. But you're not always. And so if you're not and you're a person that volunteers, you have to do a check-in with yourself regularly. So people, all, a lot of the t- all every year talk about New Year's resolutions and they make their vision board and all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But... The real work is being consistent over time. You just hit 100 shows uh, for this Create Your Life series. And so that consistency Mm -hmm. uh, is perhaps in some ways more important than having the initial idea. So right. you can put you can put whatever you want on the vision board. You can get the most expensive magazines, Vogue or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and make your cutouts and, and, and copy and paste it on, on your wall, mm-hmm. poster board. But if you're not doing check-ins regularly throughout the year, mm-hmm. then you might as well not have done that vision board. And right. so with any experience, in particular a volunteer experience, mm-hmm. you have to do check-ins regularly. and To make sure it's in alignment. Yeah, right? and, when it, and, if, if and when it feels out of balance, you should feel comfortable enough uh, in talking to whoever's in the position of power about either your compensation or your level of commitment. And if it doesn't make sense for you to be committed at the level of compensation or lack thereof um, that you're at at that point, then there's nothing wrong with bowing out, but you have to create a plan. With cr- You have to create an exit strategy. You can't just drop it and say, I'm leaving, I'm done, because that is going gonna, is gonna to destroy potentially the work that you've done to that point. So, and the relationship, yeah. which is so key. So yeah, yeah. two things that you're saying right now that are sticking out to me, number one, is when you have a, fin- a vision board, vision boards can be tricky because when you're looking at the vision board, you're oftentimes looking at the finished product, mm-hmm. right? If I saw you on a vision board, then I'm like, man, I want to be like Brandon Andrews. But I need to know all of the backstory of where you came from in order mm-hmm. to really be able to walk through your shoes and understand the journey. Um, another thing is, is being accountable, being held mm-hmm. accountable, you know, having that staff of people around you. Because as one of my mentors always says, you know, life is a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you have to, in order to run this race, you have to be able to, uh, number one, be yourself, but you also have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And so having other people around you to hold you accountable, um, you know, even to what your vision is, is what mm-hmm. I feel would help you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you're echoing that was what will help you yeah. to stay in alignment as you're volunteering or mm-hmm. as you're gracefully bowing out or gracefully bowing in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you do the check in, you say, man, I, I said this. I said, man, this lunch group was great. I'm building relationships with people and I'm becoming a resource for folks yeah. on Capitol Hill. This is a wonderful thing. Uh, and so I I did. I, I leaned into it. And mm-hmm. and and eventually by the time. Um, I was ready to transition off Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sending out an event list every every week. I was sending out a job list. People were sending me resumes. I became a resource that was there. Uh, and when it was time for me to leave, I also found a way to transition that off and, and, and had an exit strategy because I was no longer in the Senate, so couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you, but but you, the, I think the key to not being taken advantage of, the key to making sure it makes sense is just to do check-ins with yourself mm-hmm. and then to the extent that you can, check-ins with whoever's in, in the position of power um, at the organization um, to make sure it makes sense. Yeah. You seem to have been able to 
uh, garner and, and maintain some really uh, key relationships. Mm-hmm. And the people around you seem to have been able to do so as well. Can you give us three tips that you would say are, you know, absolutely important to have uh, or to execute um, in order to sustain relationships uh, over a period of time? Yeah. So one, you got to start. So you have to meet people. And so if you are looking to do something different with your life, Mm -hmm. you need to go where people that are doing that type of thing exist. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're doing something completely new and different, you need to go where innovative people exist or where people that Mm -hmm. are doing new things exist. So one, you got to find you got to find those people and make sure that you're in the right group. Um, Number two. Um, you have to be consistent. So back to you doing a hundred shows, you know, sometimes with friends of mine, I'll just send them a smile or just say, say, Hey, you know, every couple months, whatever it is, there's actually a couple of tools that are out there. A couple of startups from, from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. that'll send you reminders to reach out to people from time to time. But you can even use something like uh, a HubSpot that's actually, um, Built, built for sales, mm-hmm. but it'll send you reminders, hey, check in with these people, and you can use it for your personal relationships instead of using it for sales. So you have to be consistent right. over time. Uh, and then the third piece is make sure that there are, if you're actually interested in getting to know people, actually get to know them. Make sure that there are layers there to the relationship. So, you know, for the, the, the guys that I mentioned that I met in the Senate, mm. I met them in the Senate, I met them in a professional setting, but... I've been able to connect with them personally as well. And so um, I think as the relationship grows over time, you have to make sure that you're adding additional layers there uh, because, you know, there may be there are going to be new people that you meet, new people that they meet. Uh, So make sure that there's additional layers there to ensure that the relationship continues to grow over time. Uh, Yeah, I, I think those three things are really key to relationship building. And, you know, people talk about the time value of money. I think the time value of relationships is a real thing. Now, if we were having this conversation in in Washington, D.C., I know it would go to people being used in relationships or or people feeling like there's this popular line in Washington, D.C., and and I'm sure it exists other other, other places. Yeah, yeah. What what do you do? Mm -hmm. Um, Being the first question that people ask. And I don't have an issue with something being transactional mm-hmm. as long as it's mutually beneficial. beneficial. If it's mm-hmm. not mutually beneficial, then somebody's taking, being taken advantage of and I have an issue with that. See, the thing about for me about that is, is that I feel like in, until, you know, until you can get to know someone, you might not understand what mutually beneficial means for them, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes the transaction is me literally just helping you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I think that that is... Uh, that that is interesting mm-hmm. um, and, and is a heck of a dynamic because oftentimes I've been asked that question and my mm-hmm. first answer is I'm a janitor. Mm-hmm. And you, sometimes you see an immediate change in yeah. people's face. And I say, people I, I, I'll, I'll tell people, hey, I, I just hang out. I like to hang out. Yeah. I hang out. Sometimes I hang out with entrepreneurs. Sometimes I hang out on radio shows. Exactly. But I just hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's so funny to see because it's kind of like, okay, well, you didn't want a, a real relationship with me anyway. So... Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that brings me to my next question, especially in regards to you. Everybody wants to start a business. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be in entertainment mm-hmm. or a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How does being the casting director for Shark Tank, you know, and the things that you've been able to do affect your personal life and friendships, knowing that so many people want to want to put, uh, be put on? How do you decipher? Give us a couple tips, three, four tips that you use to decipher whether someone is genuinely interested in getting to know you or is absolutely just trying to be transactional, um, you know, with you. 
Well, it's it's the initial approach, I, I, I think. And being an entrepreneur myself, and we can talk about a couple of businesses that, that, that I have. Yeah, yeah. But being an entrepreneur myself, I understand the desire to lean forward, take an opportunity when you see it. If you meet someone that's even tangentially associated with an opportunity, whether it's a VC funding opportunity or a major television show or uh, another, you know, relationship, potentially board board level relationship that you want to make, you lean in and you take the opportunity. I completely get that. And so I think we have to, when we're talking about relationships and people's motivations, understand that we operate in a real world and people have real pressures on them that sometimes motivate them to do things that may be outside of their normal, um, their normal, their normal range of, of operation. Um, in terms of how people, so I, I can tell pretty quickly if someone's coming to pitch me, um, now, I have to tell people that, you know, there's a, a team of folks um, that, that, that do casting for the show. And ultimately, I'm not the one making the final executive level decision about whether or not you're going to be on the show. I'm just creating an, an opportunity for you to connect with, to you, for you to get in the pipeline for the show. That's always been our primary purpose. Um, there's folks uh, in LA and then there's also the executive director of the show, or executive producer of the show. Um, and that, and that production team is going to make the final decision for you. But um, I can tell when people are coming to pitch me because they're very, people think pitching is like shark, like being on Shark Tank. Right. So they think they have to come in and make this big presentation and do backflips, et cetera, very often. <laughs> and they, they try to shake my hand off and all of that. So I can tell that very... Try to very, shake my hand yeah, off, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, yeah they, they, and, and sometimes it's just because they're nervous. So they grab my hand and they mm-hmm. keep shaking it and they keep shaking it and keep yeah. shaking it. Sometimes it's just it's just they're nervous, which is all good. Um, so I can tell very quickly from their body language and from how aggressive they are um, when, when they're speaking, if they're pitching me, yeah. um, two, I can definitely tell after they pitch whether or not, um, they actually want to connect or build a relationship or whether they were just pitching. So if they continue to ask questions or if they, or if we're in a um, networking setting or if we're in a business setting, if they move on to the next thing, then, you know, they probably just wanted to pitch me. And that, and again, you know, there's probably nothing wrong with that. If you're an entrepreneur, you're at a conference, you paid a lot of money to be there, you have a limited right. amount of time, you want to meet me um, and potentially access an opportunity that I have, that I'm connected to. Mm-hmm. And that's then you know that that's probably not not a bad thing, um, but I can tell very quickly if whether or not they want to actually build a relationship with me, talk with me, etc. Um, I think that you know as an entrepreneur, so taking off the you know investor or you know Shark Tank hat and putting on the hat of an entrepreneur, right. um, as an entrepreneur, it is very important to understand the time value of relationships and relationships over time and that if someone is in this either investing space or in this entertainment space or in this position of quote-unquote power at this point, um, they may uh, be in an even greater position in the future. And so it may just make sense for you to actually genuinely build a connection with them, build a relationship with them versus just pitching them, giving them the card and saying, hey, send me the application form once you guys start casting again or connect me with someone from the show. Um, that's a determination that each every entrepreneur has to make. But right. I very much so believe in the, in the time value of relationships. In fact, um, when I go... Um, 
two conferences and I do presentations, right. very often the core group of material that I use is on consumer behavior. Mm. So okay. how are people that are consuming things responding to what they are consuming? How can you understand it? There's all there's several types of models. Um, there's an emotional model. There's a you know, physiological model. There's a psychological model. There's an economic model um, to consumer behavior. But I start that consumer behavior conversation with relationships and talking about my relationships and how a relationship led to me being on that stage or in front of that classroom or on this radio show right. today and how without me investing in those relationships mm -hmm. without me understanding that these new contacts are mm -hmm. in some way consumers. They're consuming me as right, content. Right, right. As a product. Um, yeah, they're as consuming me as a, as a product and understanding that I need to build with them, that I need to get to know them, that I need to keep my word with them, etc. Then I wouldn't be where I was with an opportunity to teach them something. So um, that's 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 where that's where it all goes back to. And you hit me twofold with that. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking now is I'm kind of like, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated about you is you are who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And I am who I am. Of course, we're all people, but. I was texting you and you were responding and I was kind of like, whoa, this dude's a big deal. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you can never really see yourself. So for me, I'm always like, yo, I'm just Kev, you know, yeah. whatever. But you were responding. Yeah. And so we were having dialogue via text, you know, when we were at the conference. Mm -hmm. But also, I guess I, I would have to ask you, too, um, just from personally, how did it, how was it that I came across to you that made you say, oh, you know what? I'm going to invest and I'm going to come up from D.C. You know, mm -hmm. some people you know, might in certain situations might reschedule and never actually show up or they might just say, oh, you know what? I missed this. You know what I mean? It, it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So what, what was it about me or I guess my approach when we met uh, that made you say, you know what? I'm going to invest and I'm going to come up, you know what I mean? And be on a Create Your Life series. Yeah, man. So I felt like you were genuine. So here's here's the thing. Here's something I do at conferences mm -hmm. all the time. I give out my number. So I have a you know, business number that I'll use for business and it's on my Instagram profile. It's 202-831-3031. If mm -hmm. folks want to text me, you can text me. We can talk business. I'll give you 15 minutes of my time to, to most folks, unless you're just completely ridiculous. Okay. Uh, I give out that number, give out that number, and uh, most people don't use it. Right. So, one, that tells me that you're serious about um, actually connecting, whether it's for business or whether you want to connect and get to know me a little better personally as well. Uh, the overwhelming majority of people um, and I've been at conferences with thousands of people, been on stage, giving out the number, and I'll get some butt photos, um, and I'll get, I'll, there's always a very predictable percentage of butt photos that I'm going to get when I give out the number. Butt it's just, it's what is, just, what is it's a just, butt photo? Is that a real butt? <laughs> yes, like a, a mooning by text, yes. What? <laughs> There's always a very predictable percent what is the of, per of butt photos. Another conversation. Just, just they I think, don't even understand. They just think it's funny. Um, oh, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, yeah, it's just a joke. For I'm them. thinking it was like a... Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'll get a certain amount of, hey, Brandon, enjoyed hearing from you today. I'd love to connect. And then I'll send them, you know, my calendar um, link and say, hey, grab some time, we'd love to chat with you, mm -hmm. and I don't hear anything. Uh, and then a very small percentage of people from these engagements will actually text me, be serious, 
schedule some time and then follow up with me. And so you followed up immediately because I gave you text. We, we, we texted, you know, that that day after after we met immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were consistent. And I think, you know, talking about rescheduling, et cetera, it's really important just to keep your word. And so I could have made an excuse and said, hey, man, I'm in another country. You know, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm busy in January. I've got to prepare for 2018. Sorry we missed. But I think it's important to be a person of integrity. I think it's important to keep your word. And so I saw you being consistent. I saw you with this brand, with this platform. I saw you trying to, to get to know me. And I appreciated that. And so my response reflected that. And so mm. I think as an entrepreneur, as a person, you should be genuine. You should be yourself. And that energy is going to come back to you at some point. Now, you know, there's always people that don't send it back or people that take right. and, and don't give back. But uh, on the whole, on balance, mm-hmm. if you're putting out good energy, you're doing the right thing, you're being consistent, that energy is going to come back to you. And so that's what I wanted to do. Oh, well, I mean, definitely appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I felt that sense of genuineness from you. So it w- it definitely made a, a easy, I guess you could call it a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that consistency, you know, the fortune is always in the follow up. People sleep <laughs> on that. Everybody's always yeah, looking yeah. at the glitz and the glam. It's like, yeah. no, the fortune is people in the People look at follow-up. me so crazy when I tell them, especially people that are on TV or, or have some kind of modicum mm-hmm. of, you know, fame or success. They say, oh, you give out your number. Yeah, I give it out. And again, nobody. <laughs> I, I get butt photos. <laughs> I get I get one time <laughs> follow ups and then I get a very small percentage of people that will actually follow up. And uh, um, actually schedule some time with me. Maybe okay. that'll change in the future. But for now, you know, that's it's going it to change is. in the future because the Create Your Life family is going <laughs> to definitely follow up with you. But uh, Create Your Life family, I want you to notice that you can call in and ask Brandon any questions that you may have about entrepreneurship, about his journey. Uh, 212-650-6903. Also want to let you know that when we come back, we're going to be talking with Brandon a bit more about his upbringing and also about what are some of the things that he thinks or that he knows, rather, will help you win or get yourself on a shark tank and actually help you prosper as an entrepreneur. So I want to remind you right now that you're listening to WHCR 90.3, The Voice of Harlem. Quick musical break, um, and let's hear Slide, uh, one of my favorites, you know what I mean, with Calvin Harris, uh, Frank Ocean, and the Migos. We out. Hi, I'm Diane. I have a daughter, Nikki, and she's a senior at high school. She just got accepted for early decision into college. Prior to taking Kevin's program, we were pretty overwhelmed because her college debt after her merit scholarships looks like it's going to be about 150000 in four years. Feeling pretty overwhelmed about that 150000 potential debt, I decided to enroll in Kevin's debt-free college academy full course program. And I have to say the value for the money uh, for what we got out of the program was absolutely amazing. Kevin takes you step by step with many, many different tips and many different strategies for not only the student, but for us as parents, for our student, things that we can do to really help save money and prepare. If you or your child are looking to save money on college costs, sign up for Defree College Academy today at DefreeCollegeAcademy.com using coupon code FREECOLLEGE. 
Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back with Mr. Brandon Andrews. Uh, Brandon, uh, as we were on the break, a, a listener, I wrote on our Facebook uh, account on the Facebook Live, and he says, how does Brandon determine how much his time is worth now, and what tips does he have for us to calculate how much our time is worth? That's Mr. Gregory Neesmith, who's actually the host of another uh, show called Underdog Stuff. Awesome. Well, what's up, uh, Gregory? Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it, and I'm sure uh, Kevin appreciates it as well. So I, I think about it, even if you're not consulting 9 to 5 or 10 to 6, if, if consulting isn't what you do to pay your bills, a very easy exercise is calculate how much money you would want to make per month if you were a consultant. How much do you need to pay your bills? How much do you want to be able to save? How much do you need for to pay your own health care, et cetera? Run those numbers uh, and then um, work backwards to how that, how that fits into an hour. Um, so work backwards from a month to what you want to do weekly, to what you want to do daily, then to what you want to do hourly. And that's a very easy way uh, for you to calculate or at least get in the ballpark for how much you want your time uh, to be worth if you're doing a consulting um, service or, or consulting someone on something. Now, um, the the rub with that is if you're not doing it on a consistent basis, you may want to charge a little bit more of a premium because it's taking you away from doing whatever it is that you're doing, nine to five or running your business, et cetera. Um, if you are doing it on a consistent basis, then you may want to be closer to what the actual number is uh, and, and because it's something that you're doing consistently. But um, you doing that simple exercise, understanding how much you want to make monthly, then working backwards to what that means hourly, and then potentially adding a little bit of premium uh, in terms of uh, for, for, your con- for your personal convenience. Uh, is a good place to start. Okay. And that being said, you know, you're talking about charging the right rates and making, you know, the right decisions in terms of time. Uh, what are some of the tips, you know, having seen so many companies, how many, if you just had to give a ballpark range, how many companies do you feel like you've seen on these tours and pitched like total? Are you like at a thousand yet? Like, have you surpassed it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Closer to like four or five thousand. Wow. Somewhere around in there. Yeah. In terms of companies that have come to casting calls, companies that have pitched at casting calls, companies that have come through the uh, the Shark Tank diversity tour that, that we've set up. Yeah, yep, yeah. So what what are, can you give us three tips that you would uh, give to our listeners uh, that would help them get their businesses funded? Yeah. So the, the first tip I have is you need to have an actual business. So Shark Tank isn't like some other shows where you can come on with just an idea or just a concept. In the first couple seasons of the show, there were a couple of people that actually came on with something on paper or with a 3D rendering, with a 3D model. Uh, but for Shark Tank, you need to have an actual business um, that you've started, whether it's an LLC or a sole proprietorship, whatever, however you want to structure it, you need to have that. Um, you need to have some kind of physical representation um, of the, the, the business or the, the product, if it's a product, um, if it's a mobile app or something, you need to have some kind of representation of that. Uh, and the, the biggest thing, number two, is you need to show traction and that you're ready to scale. So traction means something different for every business. 
If it's a mobile app, it could be user acquisition, so the number of users you have. Um, If it's a product and it's not capital intensive, i.e. you don't need a large loan or or significant amount of money to be able to begin producing the product and selling it, then it can be sales. Um, Although a lot of the businesses that are on Shark Tank are pre-revenue because their their model requires them to get a significant injection of capital Mm -hmm. before they can actually be in the black. So don't let being in the red business-wise stop you from stop you from applying but you have to be able to show traction whatever traction means for you traction can be intellectual property it can be you have a trademark you have a patent you have a provisional or at least you've done a patent search you've started the process in some way so that's the second thing have some traction be ready to scale and then three you you need to understand how to weave your personal story into whatever it is you're pitching. So if this is your grandmother's cookie recipe that's been passed down for generations and now you added a special chocolate chip to it and people can't get enough of it, we want to hear that story in addition to hearing your traction and in addition to hearing that you actually have a business and you're actually you know, producing cookies, etc. The last piece is, and this is sometimes uh, you know, more complicated for folks, you have to understand that venture capital isn't for everyone. And it's not for every business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have become millionaires and multimillionaires and never had a VC investment, never thought about VC investment, never thought about um, outside capital beyond the more traditional means of doing it. So going to a bank, CDFI, et cetera. Um, Be prepared if you're going to go to a VC, whether it's Shark Tank or outside of Shark Tank, Mm -hmm. uh, to understand, to wrap your head around the fact that you're going to have to grow this business really quickly uh, Mm -hmm. and really large really quickly in order for it to make sense. So if you're not interested in doing that with your business, Mm -hmm. then Shark Tank's not the right place for you. It doesn't mean you're not a great entrepreneur. It doesn't mean you don't have a great business. It just means that venture capital funding isn't the right spot for you. A couple quick tips on how to know or be able to tell whether or not you should be going for a VC or you should stay in the lane that you're in. Can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you want this business to be a large multinational company that could potentially be listed on the New York Stock Exchange, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Or are you comfortable with this business being a, you know, maybe large regional business that, you know, still, you know, could make several million dollars and, you know, give you stuff to retire on? Um, do you want to have the afterburners on uh, your F-35 jet, or are you more comfortable being in a, um, you know, private plane Cessna or something, you know, cruising around? You know, it's it's all up to you. But there are significant lifestyle trade-offs that you have to make, especially within the first couple of years, if you want to grow a business if you want to run a business that's going to have exponential growth and therefore mm-hmm. require um, venture capital funding. Yeah, so that's that weeks of sacrifice for a lifetime of paradise. Yeah. And I think, that for me, the entrepreneur model is, you know, you live um, for years like others won't so that you can live like others can't. Uh, that being said, you talked a little bit about story and how important it is to have story. So for me, having had the opportunity to research you. I got to see this YouTube video mm-hmm. about your story. And you talked about, you know, uh, not having a dad, but still sending kind words to him. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the, that experience of not having a dad shaped you? And why would you still go and do some work that really matters? Like my brother's keeper, the data jam, you know what I mean? Like how do those two coincide and what is the significance 
um, in regards to not having a dad to your story and your success and being raised by your grandmother as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my grandmother raised me. Rutilia Andrews is her name. She was a teacher for 40 plus years um, in Bruton, Alabama. So in the town that she was born in, mm -hmm. the town that I grew up in, I definitely appreciate you know everything that she did for me. Uh, my mother uh, was was elsewhere, and you know my father wasn't there. And you know, honestly, because of I think the love of my grandmother and her focusing me in, in different directions, I didn't think about not having a father too much. Like I, I knew that a lot of people had a mom and dad, and that you know my right. life, my family was a little different. But I didn't think about it. I think it, it really hit me as I've gotten to be a man, as I've gotten older. Now, one would be great to have an older man in my life, someone that's related to me, somebody that I know I can trust from the beginning, mm -hmm. um, who's kind of been there before that could give me some advice, et cetera, or just being in, having another male figure in situations is sometimes just helpful to balance things out. Uh, and then two, I just understand the need for parents. I understand why we have families. And I don't think I understood that as much when I was younger. So when I was younger, it didn't, didn't really matter um, as much to me, or I didn't notice what I, would, what I had lost as much just because I didn't necessarily know to, to, to not to not yeah, know you don't know what you don't know yeah but I'll say this about um, why I felt it was important to make that video and why I feel like the work that my brother's keeper and other organizations working with young men in particular young men of color are so important uh, I played sports growing up so yep. I was a track athlete in college I did triple jump mm -hmm. uh, but in high school I did just about everything I did baseball I did football I did weightlifting team um, I did track of course and I remember my football team my last few years of high school I was in Panama City Florida and I think about the roster I think about those guys and I put myself in the bottom third in terms of athletic ability um, and even mental acumen, you know, for sports. And I ended up, you know, going to a D1 school and being a track athlete. So right. that, that should tell you how... Shout out to Oral Roberts <laughs> University. <laughs> exactly. And so that should tell you how um, talented these guys were. And some of them made mistakes, mm -hmm. but also a lot of them were put in situations that led to them making mistakes. Or a lot of them had had choices taken out of their hands because of family or because of friends or because of things that are outside of their control. Mm -hmm. And I think about those guys and, you know, sometimes people, you know, in the black community in particular want to talk mm -hmm. about talented 10th and, and all of that. Right. But, you know, I don't know that there's anything that separates me from being them outside of me not being perhaps placed in some of the situations that they were placed in, mm -hmm. not being asked to make some of the, si the, the, the decisions, decisions that they had to make, mm -hmm. um, me having a supportive you know, grandmother and loving grandmother who was there and, and, and other family members as well. Uh, but I don't know that there's anything that separates me from those guys. I feel like those guys, a lot of them are still in Panama City or, or there, there are other places and some mm -hmm. of them haven't been able to reach their full potential uh, but it's not because they don't have potential mm -hmm. it's because of the situations that they were put in and so I think the work with my brother's keeper is so important mm -hmm. because we want to remove those situations from the lives of young men or better equip them to be able to deal with those situations exactly. when they come. And I'll, I'll piggyback off of that, and I'll say that, in my opinion, two things that really separate people. Uh, number one is exposure. Mm -hmm. Exposure to things that you don't know about, mm -hmm. you know, because, again, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. But also expectation. Mm -hmm. And 
Sometimes the absence of expectations allow for the creation of great things, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes you have people who the parents are like, you're going to be this, but mm-hmm. they written their heart want to be a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. So they never get to fulfill their destiny or actually create the life that they want. Hence mm-hmm. the show, create your life. But sometimes there's no expectation. So you mm-hmm. take someone like myself, there was no expectation. Mm-hmm. And so I had to create an expectation and a standard for myself. And mm-hmm. that's how we get to where we are here. And along mm-hmm. the way you meet people who have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, Brandon, we got to jump into the dolphin tank. Man. Let's do it. You ready? I'm this ready. is like rapid fire questions, man. All right. All right. You sure? Short answer. I got All it. Right. Short answer. Got you. Okay. Top tech that you're using to rate to make your business run smoothly. Uh, I've got, I create a lot of content over the past year. I've done over 50 uh, interviews with entrepreneurs on okay. Black Enterprise, but I hadn't been sharing the content. So buffer and high play to share my, to share my content. Okay. Helpful. Our favorite quote or model that you live by. So, I'm from small town, South Alabama, grew up loving Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote that Mm -hmm. he's where he's quoting actually a woman named Sister Pollard from the Montgomery bus boycott. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sister Pollard uh, was an old woman during the boycott Mm -hmm. and supported him. And she said, and and Dr. King says um, in her ungrammatical profundity, uh, my feet is tired, but my soul is rested. And so I think as an entrepreneur, as a person, when you're tired physically, but your soul is at peace because you know you did everything you could do or that the work that you're doing is fulfilling, that's the place you want to be. Okay. Favorite book or most impactful book that you've read? Uh, Favorite book, and I'll mention two here. Favorite book is three. On Heroes, Hero Worship, and the, and the Heroic in History, it's by Thomas Carlyle, was written in the 1890s. It's a compilation of lectures that he did on the epic hero. So I love it, one, because I like Thomas Carlyle as a philosopher, mm-hmm. um, which we're not going to go into today, but we can talk, we can chop, chop yeah, it up we about that, that later. About. Uh, but every culture, every color, every religion has an epic hero story. And the Mm -hmm. high points of those stories are the same. And so I think as humanity, as people, Mm -hmm. yes, we're different. But if thousands of years ago, humans were creating these stories on continents that were thousands, tens of thousands of miles apart, um, you know, if they were doing that, what does that say about how similar we are? Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that book. Um, I just reread The Fire Next Time. Okay. James Baldwin, um, my little sister just had a baby. Um, so I have a nephew now. Congratulations. And thank you. Congratulations to her. I didn't do anything. I just showed up <laughs> and bought a, bought a rocking chair. But uh, congratulations to her. Uh, the Fire Next Time begins with a letter to my nephew by James Baldwin, which I feel like everyone should read if you're black, white, whatever. Um, the prescience of the writing is so evident. Um, it, it's just, it, and then the rest of the book um, goes through some of James Baldwin's story personally and then talks about the situation around the time that the book was written, but the fire next time, um, James Baldwin. And then, um, because we're talking about business, I have to do a business thing, um, on managing yourself. Um, Harvard Business Review has a series of books um, on business skills, and it's impossible to manage others. It's impossible to be successful unless you can manage yourself and understand yourself. So those three. And the name of the book is On Managing Yourself. On Managing Yourself, yeah. Red okay. Cover. All right, here we go. Three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. This is the question that nobody can escape this show without answering. <laughs> so one, um, raise your hand and volunteer 
um, because you're going to get new experiences, different experiences, Mm -hmm. and as is the case in my life, opportunities that you may never have thought about um, or even dreamed of previously. Uh, Two, um, I love um, this juvenile quote, um, you're a paper chaser. You got the block on fire, fire remaining a G, G until the, the moment you retire. Know what it is. You make something out of nothing. nothing. You, you handle, handle your biz. biz. Don't, don't be crying and be suffering. suffering. Yeah. Don't have enough time to break it down all the way. Yeah. But suffice it to say that that grind is very much so the entrepreneur's grind. Mm-hmm. That grind is very much so the successful person's grind. Mm-hmm. You're focused on doing whatever it is you have to do. Um, you're making your money. You're staying focused. You're taking hits, but you're not crying about it. Um, you're not suffering over it. You're continuing to move forward. Uh, and then the third thing is um, I think all of us have to, at some point, um, connect to something bigger than ourselves, greater than ourselves. Um, hopefully, your business as an entrepreneur is solving a problem yeah. or creating something new that's making something better for a group of people. And so finding that connection to something bigger, better, whether and, and, and hopefully solving a problem um, is, is the third thing in creating your life. Okay. Yeah. And now the final segment of the show, the turnaround. Yeah. So uh, beautiful people, create your life family. This is the part where I get put on the hot seat and Brandon actually asks me the question. So you get up to three questions. So yeah. I don't know what he's going to ask me, but I'm ready. So Brandon, this, the floor is all yours. All right. So you're at a, you did a hundred shows. Mm-hmm. What time was the hardest time for you to actually come here and get a show done? What, what's the, been the biggest impediment that you've had to overcome to do it? Um... Wow, being a hundred percent honest, I would have to say at times when the team when you're when you're starting something, the team can grow and then it can uh, become smaller mm-hmm. and so at times where I may have been the only person on the staff team mm-hmm. it was hard because it makes you question whether or not you're doing something right mm-hmm. so uh in those times um and then also in times like, uh, you know, do I come on holidays? Do I not come on holidays? Like I always mm-hmm. show up, you know, yeah. Christmas Eve, I was here. Yeah. Um, New Year's Eve, I was here. Like I pretty much, I'm here, I'm going to be here regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but those have been some of the challenging moments where, you know, you kind of question. It's what's what else is going on outside of the actual show. Because being on the mic is the easy part. Mm-hmm. It's all of the work that happens before the setup. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here at 3 o'clock, 2.30, yeah, yeah. you know, and we don't go on until 5.30. So yeah. I would say that those have been, uh, you know, some of the challenges. But I'm, I'm very loyal to our listener base, to the Creator Life family. Yeah, obviously, man. So consistent. Uh, two. You like Tupac, though, right? Of course. Yeah. So favorite, favorite Tupac quote. You got one. Wow. Favorite Tupac quote, quote off the top of my head. Um, even a genius asks questions. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that's in Me Against the World. Yeah. yeah. Even, you know, um, don't settle for less. Count your blessings. Even a genius asks questions. It's something like that in yeah, one yeah. of the verses. That's, yeah, yeah. man, Tupac is everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? So... Tell me what your goal is for the show in 2018. What do you want to do? 
Uh, the goal for the show in 2018 is for us to become nationally syndicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been working on that. Awesome. Um, and then also we want to branch out and create an extension of the show uh, that is based around accountability because I believe that the only way for people to actually create the lives that they want is for them to be held accountable. So to I can things. send you the numbers of everybody that sent me a butt photo and you can get them on track. <laughs> hey, yeah. Yeah. So the, that is the absolute goal. Um, but just to keep expanding, um, you know, mm-hmm. looking into some part, some sponsorship opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really just expanding the brand and expanding the, the, you know, the push to help people literally create their lives across awesome. the world. Awesome. Um, so for you, I guess I'm getting back in the interview seat. Uh-huh. Uh, how do we stay in contact with you? And, and what's before even that question, what's yeah. next for you? Well, you know, we didn't get to talk about, but the thing that's been consuming time lately mm-hmm. has been this new mobile app that myself and uh, Joshua Dupois, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and another buddy um, have co- co-founded called Gage. So it's a mobile market research app. We've created an algorithm that picks the ideal group of consumers mm-hmm. for brands to ask questions about new products, new content, or business questions in general. Think about it as kind of an evolution of a focus group on mobile with a better group of people. Uh, uh, so focusing on Gage, um, converting some current clients over to being Gage clients, and, of course, hitting the, hitting the streets hard with uh, the sales strategy for that this year. Beyond that, I want to continue writing. Like I said, I did about 50 entrepreneur interviews last year. I want to continue doing that. Uh, and then three, I think it's staying consistent. So finding ways to construct and create my life um, in which I'll be consistent. So consistent with working out, consistent with reading, consistent, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. And, and getting in contact with me, it's really simple. Again, you can text me to talk business anytime, 202-831-3031. If you want to reach out to me online, uh, brandonandrews.me, brandonandrews.me uh, is my website. All of my blogs are there, all of my contact information, all my social handles, et cetera. Uh, hit me up. Always happy to chat with with entrepreneurs or folks that are interested in entrepreneurship. And if you're looking for Shark Tank uh, casting, uh, you can go to ABC Shark Tank, their um, their website. They have a list there of open calls that are currently planned. In fact, they're having an open call in Dallas this Wednesday. Uh, and then information on the casting calls that we will be doing, Vice Partnerships, uh, is on Shark Tank Diversity Tour Dot com And, uh, of course, happy to answer questions about uh, casting and uh, hopefully get more uh, diverse entrepreneurs, more women, more veterans, more young people, uh, more black and brown folks on the show. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for being here in the studio with us. Bro. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for rescheduling. Definitely excited about you and your new year and you being nationally syndicated and bringing on some sponsorship support, et cetera. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, things will continue to progress and I'll get to come back and you'll be nationally syndicated. You'll be big time. Maybe I'll have to have to wait a while before I can get on again. Nah, not even. You got my number. So you already, I'm just a text <laughs> away, man. Just just as, as you have been for me. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's reciprocating that love and that energy man so uh beautiful people uh i'm gonna have to tell you it's been a great one and so here we are with some music and we'll catch you next week beautiful people if you enjoyed this episode of the create your life series be sure to download it from our podcast which is available on createyourlifeseries.com itunes stitcher radio and google music also be sure to leave a review of the podcast you can catch us live on sundays from 5 30 to 6 30 p.m eastern standard time via 90.3 fm in new york or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash Brown one 
We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Tua vita. Create your life. On your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.